Uh, do turn with me to the book of Mark. So we're reading this morning from Mark chapter 2. Just wait for them to make their way out. So from Mark chapter 2, Jesus healing a paralytic. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come. So many gathered (coughs) that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, And after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralysed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praise God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Amen. To those leading us in our prayers and for Matthew standing in there, let's just pray as we come to God's word. Father God, we come before you and we acknowledge our need of you and we acknowledge our need of the Holy Spirit as we would, one would seek to speak your word and as one would seek to listen to your word. We pray that above and beyond everything, the Spirit of God would take the word of God and bless it to us this morning, we pray. May we be changed, may we be challenged, may we be encouraged. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I wonder what you think humanity's greatest need is. We live, don't we, in troubling and worrying times. Times of political unrest in our country, in our nation, in our world. Where violence of all shapes and sizes seems to abound. And there are many, many great needs physically, mentally, materially. And I guess that how we answer that question depends very much on even our own circumstances. And even that can change from time to time. Yet a passage that we read earlier speaks to us of a need but it actually has a rather surprising twist in it. 
And as we look at this passage, which I'm sure is well known to many of you, I would like to just share with you four very simple, straightforward thoughts. From, well, hopefully they're simple and straightforward anyway. The first is this. We see regarding <coughs> excuse me, the preaching of Jesus. The preaching of Jesus. By this time in Mark's gospel, Mark doesn't uh, take time like Matthew and Luke to tell us a little bit about the, the, up, the birth of Jesus. He just kind of goes straight in to, to telling us about the ministry of Jesus. And, and here, by the time we get to chapter 2, it is in its early stages. But Jesus has already amazed many people by his teaching, by his driving out of demons, and by his healing of the sick, though in those with leprosy and others. He's become so popular that he could no longer enter into a town openly, but he had to stay outside in lonely places. Chapter 1, verse 45 tells us. And Mark then tells us that a few days later, Jesus entered Capernaum. Capernaum was a place that he had already been at and had already done miracles. And that as he gathered there, and whatever house it was, wherever it, wherever it was, there were so many people gathered that there was no room. Oh, for the days of that. Where Jesus is preached, there is no room. It was a pack out. The full house signs were up. What was Jesus going to do with such a crowd? Where Mark, tell, Mark sorry, tells us what Jesus did. Notice it there at the end of verse 2. He preached the word to them. And that, I guess, shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Because that is what Jesus told us was his whole reason for coming. If you look at verse 38 of chapter 1. Jesus replies, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. And then he says, that is why I have come. Friends, a very simple point that I want to make here, particularly in a day and an age when people clamor after experiences and signs and miracles and wonders and everything else. The very simple point I want to make is that the preaching of the Word of God, the explaining of the Scriptures, telling people the good news is a priority. And it is as important today as it was in Jesus' time. And that is why, as a church, we seek to give time to the Word of God. That is why we study it. That is why we preach it, we proclaim it. Because you see, these are the scriptures that speak of Jesus. And when Jesus had a crowd around him, he never missed the opportunity to preach. The preaching of Jesus. Secondly, 
Let's look at carrying to Jesus. We are introduced in the reading of, of uh, Mark 2. We're introduced to some men who somehow must have heard about the healings that Jesus has already done and who wanted, therefore, to bring their friend who was paralyzed to Jesus. No doubt in order for their friend to be healed. So here was a group of friends who wanted the best for their friend. However, when they get near to the house, they find that they couldn't get near to Jesus. Yet such is the determination of these friends to get their friend to Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. They climb onto the roof of a house. They dig a hole through the roof and they lower the man down to where Jesus was. Let me say, this is not just a kind of new initiative in evangelism. I'm not advocating that we go and do that, okay? But what we see here, what we have in these men are several lessons to us. Several lessons concerning the needs of those round about us. The needs of those who are dear to us. Let me just quickly outline some of them. Firstly, we see that there is no situation, there is no circumstance, there is no person that is so bad that it is beyond bringing it or them to Jesus. We can bring all things, people, situations, the old Tim tells us, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything, not some things, not the wee things, everything. Everything. There is no situation beyond Jesus. Secondly, these men actually had faith that Jesus could do something about the situation. And they were prepared to do something about it. They, they didn't just, as it were, kind of, as we would perhaps think, they, they didn't just um, pray about it, but they actually put a plan into action. The faith that they had needed to move them to do something. And so we see their faith, but also their deeds here at work. Thirdly, it seems to me that they were not going to be put off at the first hint of discouragement. As they approach the house, they can see both inside and outside it was crowded. They could see there was no way that they were going to get right into where Jesus was. They could easily have turned about and went back home and said, nah, we'll try it another time. No. Now was the time. And they weren't going to be put off. And they weren't going to be discouraged. And they weren't going to quit. 
So many people today quit at their first hint of trouble or of difficulty or of opposition. These guys persevered. Fourthly, we see how that they worked together. It's a great example for us all as a church. I hadn't really noticed this before, down to my probably ignorance or over-familiarity with a passage, but I kind of assumed that there were four men. But notice what the text says. Some men came, bringing him to a paralytic, carried by four of them. So it seems to me there was more than four. It took teamwork. The man had to be carried. No doubt others had to kind of go ahead, shout and clear the way. The man kind of had to be carried up onto the roof. There had to be a whole dug in the roof. The man had to be lowered down. And it seems to me that they all played their part and they all had a part to play. And brothers and sisters, that's so important in the work of the gospel. We've all got a part to play. Every single one of us. We've all got a part to play in, if you like, carrying and bringing people to Jesus. What part are you playing? And fifthly, we see that actually it didn't seem to bother them on this particular occasion what others might have thought. Their friend's need was great. And they were convinced that only Jesus could help. And so together, they worked in such a way that here is this man who is in great need, basically lying at the feet of the Lord Jesus. See, friends, these friends... <laughs> had done, if I can use the phrase, their part. They had done all that they could do. They brought him to Jesus. They laid him at the feet of Jesus. What's going to happen? Well, thirdly, let's notice forgiving by Jesus. I think it is a good thing from time to time to put ourselves into other people's situation. I think it's a, a, an old Indian proverb that says, walk a mile in someone else's moccasins. I think it's a good thing to put ourselves into a situation. So try, try and imagine, if you were part of that crowd that day, try and imagine what would you expect what would you do? I guess that um, <coughs> I guess that whatever else this man and his friends expected to happen, 
what actually did was furthest from their minds. Because as they go to all this bother, and as they lower the man down, and as he lies at Jesus' feet, notice what Jesus says. Son, your sins are forgiven. Well, I don't know, but sometimes we know the passages so well, but, but can it would seem to me that that didn't even, wasn't even the reason that they brought him. The reason this man's friends went to all of this bother was in order that Jesus, who had been going around healing people, would actually heal the man. So, so for Jesus to tell him that his sins are forgiven, it must have sounded to them strange. And from the text, we can see that certainly the religious people of the day were far from happy. They thought it was blasphemous. Yet what we see here in this account is Jesus getting to the heart of the problem. Because you see, friends, the heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. And what Jesus is doing here he is meeting this man's greatest and this man's deepest need. And that is not physical healing. Great as that is, it is the forgiveness of sins. And sin is, basic, is basically living in rebellion to God. It is missing, if you like, the mark of God's set standards. Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might enjoy it in all its fullness, yet sin has marred that. And the Bible is clear. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned, each one of us. And therefore, we all, each one of us, need forgiveness. And the Bible is clear, friends, that that forgiveness is only to be found in Jesus. Because it's only Jesus who has the authority to forgive sins. And Jesus speaks, or sorry, and Jesus sees their faith. And I tend to think, that that speaks of both the paralyzed man and his friend. His friends had the faith to bring him. And as we will see, he himself had the faith to when Jesus said, get up, he did that very thing. He could have just sat there. Lovingly, I want to say this morning, friends, forgiveness of our sins is the greatest need for each one of us. Forgiveness of sins is the greatest miracle of all because it meets our greatest need and it costs the greatest price, the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross.
and yet it brings the greatest peace that anybody can know. And the question I would pose to each one this morning is this. Do you know that forgiveness? Do you know that forgiveness? Are you aware of the need for it in your own life? You see, as I said earlier, Jesus has come that we might have life and life in all its fullness. And yes, we may have need for this or for that, physical, material, whatever, and, and they are important, of course, they are. Please don't misunderstand me. But our greatest need is for forgiveness. And that is what Jesus offered that day. And by his grace, that is what he offers still today preaching of Jesus, carrying to Jesus. Thirdly, complaining about Jesus. We come across in Mark 2 here, the teachers of the law, that is, they were part of the kind of religious establishment of the day. And what happens is, they begin to get just that little bit annoyed at what Jesus has said, and, 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 and they begin to, to, to think to themselves, Who's this guy? Why is he talking like this? He's actually blaspheming because, because only God can forgive sins. And of course they were right. Only God can forgive. So if that is true, then what does that make of Jesus? And they were right in another sense. that They were right, if you like, to be concerned. Because they were in charge of the religious life of the nation. And now here is this new, young, some might even say radical preacher who is going about healing the sick, casting out demons, and, and now forgiving sick. Who is he? Who does he think he is? And to those teachers of the law, those who would have been theologically trained, this could only mean one or two things. It could only mean either, as chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, that the kingdom of God is near and now present in Jesus, or that Jesus is no more than a blasphemer. C.S. Lewis, in one of his famous quotes, says, He's either a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And here's the thing that should get us thinking. Jesus knew. Jesus knew right away what they were thinking. They hadn't said it out. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Friends, we can hide nothing. All will be revealed. And so he, as, as it were, throws down a challenge to these religious people. And he says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk. 
seems to me that it would be easier, certainly, to say, oh, your sins are forgiven, because who can prove the validity of that? However, to say to a paralyzed man, get up and walk, in order to show the authority to forgive sins, that is something different. And Jesus uses this miracle in order to, as it were, prove his authority and power, not just over sickness, which he has already done, but also his power and authority to forgive sin. His physical healing, important as it was, was an illustration and was a demonstration of his spiritual healing. And in order to prove his claim, in order to silence his critics, and even today it is mainly from religious circles that Jesus gets so much complaining and criticizing about. But even there, he turns to the man and he says, I tell you, get up, take your mat, go home. Go to that house in Capernaum in your imagination. Put yourself there. Can you imagine the tension? Well, what's going to happen? And is this crippled man really just on the words of what Jesus says? Is he really going to be healed? And the answer, astoundingly, is yes. Because we are told that he got up he took his mat and he walked out in full view of him. He only walked for we don't know how long. Yeah, Jesus worked. He gets up. And in full view of everyone, he walks out. He heard the voice of Jesus speaking to him. And in faith, I believe, he responded. He could have sat there. And he'd have sat there all day till his pals came and carried him away. But he heard the voice of Jesus. And he took that word of Jesus to heart. And he believed it. And he rose up and he was healed. And he was healed that day physically, but even more miraculously, he was healed spiritually. His chains that day were gone. And he was set free. And the teachers of the law had no answer. No answer. Because you see, brothers and sisters, and that is why you often hear me see how we live our Christian life really matters. They had no answer because standing in front of them was a changed and a transformed life. And that is what Jesus Christ does. He comes and he changes us and he transforms us. And that change and that transformed life is a powerful witness to run about us. Let me ask you, have you responded to that call? To that voice of Jesus? Have you been set free from your sins? Have you responded to his word? 
and to his commands, not just to believe, but to be baptized. If not, then even this morning you can, as in faith, you respond to the Lordship of Jesus Christ as you confess your sins and trust in him who bore them on the tree for you and for me. Preaching of Jesus, caring to Jesus, complaining about Jesus. No use looking at my watch. I'm not getting one on. One final point. Notice where it all leads. And with this we'll be very quick. Praising of God. That's where it all leads to. See, something very special happened that day. Something that Mark tells us amazed everybody. Indeed, Mark tells us nothing like it had seen before. But Jesus had healed before. Jesus had already been going about healing. He's already done some pretty amazing things in Capernaum already. Chapter 1, verse 29 tells us that. But this is different. And the amazement and the wonder is not so much that a paralyzed man walked, amazing as that is. No, friends, the, the truly amazing thing that now there is one in their presence who can and who will forgive sins. That's the amazing thing. And it's, a, it's as amazing today as it was back then. And sometimes we lose that wonder and that amazement and that excitement. We, Colin and I were through the back praying before the service and, and, and I said, how are you feeling? And, and I said, I'm excited. We've lost some of that. Jesus has come that we may have life and have it to the full. He's cleansed us and he's forgiven us and he's healed us and he's restored us and he's ransomed us and he's filled us with the Spirit. Healings are great, but salvation is even greater. And the only rightful response is one of praise. Praise to God. Because you see, that actually is, as the Westminster Catechism tells us, the chief end of man. What is man's chief end? That we might glorify God and enjoy him forever. True life, life in all its fullness, is found only in Jesus Christ. And that day back in Capernaum, these friends came, I believe, expecting healing of body. And they went away healing. He sort of healed, but also forgiven and praising God. How will you leave here 
How will you leave here this morning? Will you leave as someone who knows that joy and that life in all its fullness, even amidst the trials and the difficulties and the situations that come upon us? It's very interesting that actually that is what Murray was speaking of at the prayer meeting on Thursday night about the trials and the difficulties and the hardships that come upon us even as Christians. But even amongst that, do you know that peace and that joy and that life that Jesus came to give to each one of us? It is my prayer that you do. If you want to know or you want to talk about anything else, Along these lines, please speak to me after the service or to someone that you've come along with or, and we'll be happy to explain anything of this is further or more clearer if, if we can. Let's just take a moment just to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you're a God of love. Thank you that Jesus showed that love to its fullest extent. Thank you that he came to preach the good news, to preach the gospel. Thank you that not only did he preach it, but he lived it out. And thank you that on the cross he bore our sins. And thank you that in him and in him alone there is forgiveness. Father God, for those of us who profess to know that forgiveness, would you fill us with a renewed joy and wonder and amazement of it? If we've grown cold, Lord, would you rekindle the flame in our hearts? And for any who have never as yet taken that step of faith, who feel uh, still tied and burdened and, as it were, crippled by their sin, God, would your spirit speak into their hearts and bring them that freedom and that forgiveness that is to be found in you. And may we, like the people that day in Capernaum, go from this place rejoicing, and praising our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's opportunity.